0: Welcome to the Yoga Meets Movement Science podcast. I'm Jenny Rawlings, a longtime yoga teacher and educator, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Travis Pollan, an exercise science professor and a longtime yogi himself. Together, we take a science-based look at many of the common questions, myths, and controversies that arise in the realms of yoga, movement, and fitness. Join us on this crash course where the worlds of yoga and movement science collide.
1: Welcome to episode 39 of the Yoga Meets Movement Science podcast. On this episode, we will be discussing the ABCs of hip rotation. A for anatomy, B for biomechanics, and C for cues. So this episode came about because we had multiple people sharing their confusion about hip rotation with us, specifically related to positions in our foundational yoga poses. And we had one specific request for this episode from a listener, Eleanor Spring. So thank you, Eleanor, for inspiring us to do this episode. So when we're talking about hip rotation, we're talking about internal rotation and external rotation. And just a disclaimer here, this is going to be a pretty anatomy geeky episode because we're focusing all about alignment and joint actions in yoga poses, as well as strength training exercises. This episode will also benefit from our listeners having some familiarity with common yoga poses, what they look like, because this is a podcast and we can only talk. We can't visually demo. Demo. So uh, we'll do our best to describe the positions. and um, But if you have a little bit more familiarity with them, I think that's going to help. So our plan for the episode is we'll start by talking generally about hip anatomy, talk about what hip rotation is, and then we'll get into yoga poses that are oftentimes confusing to our movement eyes in terms of which hip rotation we're in, internal versus external. And we'll finish up with some other related topics on hip rotation. Before we dive in, just a quick reminder about some ways that you can support us and our work with this podcast. You can become a supporter for just $3 a month. The link for that will be in the show notes. You can also subscribe to our podcast and leave us a rating or a review five stars, please. You can sign up for Jenny's email newsletter to stay in the loop on everything going on at jennyrawlings.com slash newsletter. Again, the link will be in the show notes. And last but certainly not least, you can join us for our Strength for Yoga remote group training, which is our flagship monthly strength training program for yogis. You can use Podcast 30 as a discount code to get 30% off your first month. And again, all of those links are in the show notes. Jenny thank you so much for joining me for this episode and uh i'm excited to talk about hip rotation with you
0: me too well uh i'm really glad that i get to be here with you to talk about this and i feel like on first glance hip rotation might seem like kind of a specific topic that's what i told you yeah (laughs) When I first like how are we going to record do, a whole
1: episode about that?
0: <laughs> you were like, yeah. But then I was like, but Travis, there's so much that we can talk about. There is. About hip rotation. It is one specific direction of motion for one specific joint, the hip joint. But I mean, there's so much there. And uh, I think that'll become clear as we talk. And. Mm-hmm. And like you said, uh, we're only talking so people can't, you know, um, we're kind of hoping and assuming that our listeners do have a familiarity with the joint positions and with what some of our kind of foundational yoga poses look like. That'll just help with like, you know, so it doesn't get too confusing. It's going to be.
1: Yeah, but yeah. you'll explain them.
0: <laughs> I'll do my best. I'll do my best to, yeah. um, Yeah, so we thought that a good place to start in this conversation about hip rotation is to first just kind of just establish some hip anatomy and some basics of like what hip rotation is. So like Travis, what's um, what's just some basic hip anatomy that we think we might want listeners to know about?
1: Yeah. So the hip joint is Mm -hmm. made up of the femur, which is the thigh bone. And that articulates in our pelvis within the acetabulum. So that's the ball and socket joint where the head of the femur is articulating within this like cup kind of configuration and it can move in 360. Well, not 300. Well, it can circumduct, can move in all the directions, right?
0: Yeah. Which is 360, (laughs) right? Yeah.
1: And, um, and so that makes it a, a very mobile joint and, we can, you know, we define the the directions that it moves in as flexion and extension, which is bringing the knee to the chest. Extension would be bringing the knee away from the chest, like standing up from a chair that would be hip extension. We can go into a abduction or a duction. so a abduction standing, bringing the leg out to the side, a duction, bringing the leg back in. And then we can go into internal and external rotation, which is what the focus of our conversation is now. So what like what's the best way to describe internal and external rotation? It's honestly a little confusing, like which one's which, depending on how you're looking at the person, right? Or how you're looking at yourself. Sometimes it's like, oh, I must be in external rotation or internal rotation, but it's the opposite.
0: Abs- yeah, absolutely. It can be confusing. I think an easy way to just conceive of internal and external rotation is just to picture yourself or someone standing in tadasana or mountain pose Mm. which is also kind of just anatomical position and if you just think of starting there that's like a nice just neutral to think about anatomy from so um external rotation and this would be open chain external rotation meaning the distal end of the limb is not fixed to the floor so external rotation would look like your toes say on the right leg your toes would go from pointing forward to pointing out to the right. Right? Mm-hmm. That would be external. Yes. And then internal rotation would be the opposite. It would be that your toes turn in. And we're using the toes as the visual marker, but the movement is happening up at the hip joint.
1: That's a little confusing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, not
1: confusing, but you're you're assuming rigidity, like the where the toe goes mm. is what is that actually happening in the hip socket.
0: And it do, it does mostly when you're standing. Like into that, yeah. but in other positions, it might not necessarily?
1: Mm-hmm. So, and there we have names for those, right? Like duck footed and pigeon. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, which are so you talking about? Which?
0: Someone standing, like if they're just standing, you're looking at their posture or whatever.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Pot- yes. Jenny's air quoting posture.
0: Air quoting their posture or whatever. I, that's. Uh, I
1: think that's quite literally their posture. Yes. We. I think we're air quoting because they're may not be any reason to look at that
0: right or to think that it needs to be corrected or yeah that's <laughs> right. that's what i'm air quoting for sure it's more the associations that come along with talking about posture yeah. i think
1: see see episode numbers <laughs> i don't know
0: All, oh yeah so many of them so but with with Todd Todd Hargrove, Hargrove,
1: do you know what number that was
0: i think it was 25 posture is overrated i think yeah. i think it was 25 we'll link it in the show notes um but anyway so duck Duck feet, is that what you said? That would be someone standing with their with their feet turned out, looking like a duck. And then mm-hmm. pigeon toed, quote, pigeon toed would be if their feet turn in. That's kind of what we colloquially call that posture.
1: Which just had a confu- moment of confusion. That's different from a, our yoga pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes. Because yoga's it is. pigeon pose is external rotation, but pigeon toed is internally yes. rotated. So don't use, don't use that as a memory aid.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But but if you already know the term, it just helps with picturing what we're talking about. With yeah, the yeah, yeah. And, and um, what we just described with external and internal rotation, if you're picturing it from standing the toes out and in, that's an example, like I mentioned, that's open chain, external and internal rotation. But I think mm-hmm. it would be helpful for this conversation to also talk about closed chain, external mm-hmm. and internal rotation. Don't you think?
1: Yeah, because that's more likely what's happening on the yoga mat.
0: Yes. So open chain versus closed chain, just so that we make that distinction, so so everybody knows. Um, an open chain movement is when, and this is generally for the arms and the legs. It's when the distal end of the limb is free to move and it's not fixed in place. So, mm-hmm. like with so the, the distal
1: end being the far end.
0: Exactly. So the external rotation we just described of turning the toes out, um, that would be the the distal end is the toes. They're free to move. You just, like, turn them out in space. But closed chain is the opposite, and that's where the distal end of the limb, the foot in this case, is fixed, like, to the floor, generally to the floor. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I don't know, something else. Um, and then your body moves relative to, to the distal end of the limb. So that, that's, like, what closed chain means. It just means, like, the end of the limb is, like, fixed, and the rest of the body moves relative to it. Mm-hmm does that yeah so, so that example
1: that yeah perfect so the example of warrior two you're starting at, at the front of your mat into dasana mountain pose and then you're stepping the one leg out mm-hmm. to this the back mm-hmm. and side at the of back the mat. and
0: side yeah mm-hmm.
1: and then what's happening in the front leg
0: yeah, that would be closed chain external rotation of the front leg because the foot stayed fixed. And as you step back, you also turn to the side. So your pelvis rotated away from that front leg. And that mm-hmm. would be that external rotation.
1: Yeah. You so whereas your your femur, before we were talking about your pelvis is stationary and your femur is moving, yeah. rotating in the acetabulum. Now your femur is fixed because it's attached to your Shin and foot and that's glued to the mat and then your pelvis is rotating on your fixed femur creating external rotation but mm-hmm. the bone that's moving is different well they're that's they're right, moving right. relative to each other but which one's fixed and which one's moving is different
0: and yeah the distal end of the limb the distal end of the limb was fixed to the floor yeah mm-hmm. or um if you don't think about stepping all the way back to warrior two let's just say you're just in tadasana And you want to externally rotate the right foot but keep it grounded on the floor so it's closed chain all that would happen is if you is you would just turn away from the foot like your body would rotate away and you would end up facing like um 90 degrees ish whatever yeah 90 degrees like to the left while your right foot is still pointed straight ahead that would be closed chain external rotation yeah Um, does that make sense another quick example i thought of travis as you were talking um is open I think this would be open chain external rotation it's a combination of hip movements but if you were standing and you wanted to go into pigeon chair mm-hmm. pigeon chair so that's like where you're standing and then you would um say take your right ankle just above your left knee and then like sit back into a single leg chair with one leg and pigeon you would you would in an open chain manner be rotating that um, pigeon leg into external rotation
1: yeah or even just going into tree pose
0: Yes, exactly. Yes. That's open chain external. I mean, it's more than just external rotation, but yeah. Yeah. So hopefully just to make that, um, make that distinction clear so that we can start to see it better in our yoga poses. Right. Mm -hmm. When there's open versus closed. Um, and you know, we also do both, uh, in daily life too. Yeah.
1: Anytime you like plant and turn.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Anytime you plant and turn. So if you change direction as you're walking, that's going to involve closed chain hip rotation of like the planted foot. We do plant and turn quite a bit in normal daily life. Totally. Getting into the car, getting out of the car, walking around, Oh turning. yeah, turning. So just to give some real life examples and some yoga examples of um, hip rotation. See, there really is a lot we can talk about with regard to just this one little one little thing. Um, right. And speaking of the hip anatomy, I just wanted to tell you, Travis, because I thought this was kind of funny. But before we got on to record, I told Craig, my husband, that we were recording um, the ABCs of hip rotation. And he was like, let me guess what the ABCs are. And he didn't know that we have anatomy, biomechanics, and Q. He didn't know that that's what our ABCs are. So he was like, okay. A, is, that's got to be acetabulum. Isn't it cool that he <gasps> knows acetabulum? But he doesn't. Yeah. So he was like, I think A is acetabulum. And then yeah. we were on B. And I was like, I don't know what B would be with regard to the hip. And he was like, it's ball and socket. <gasps> like, he just knew. ball And, and C? Socket. And C, C, I came up with. He didn't really know C. I said okay. C would be capsule for the hip capsule, Ooh. which we didn't mention yet when we went over the anatomy, but there's oh, a hip right. joint capsule that like, you know, surrounds the joint and like, like helps connect everything. Um, mm-hmm. But isn't that, isn't that a cool way to think oh, of my goodness. the ABCs? Wow. Acetabulum we ball pocket a- and capsule. We
1: have two ABCs.
0: Yeah. Or like maybe a more specific one for today.
1: Yeah. Oh, I, I love that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, anyway, I think that that helps establish just like the anatomy of the hip joint and kind of what internal and external rotation look like. What about Travis? Um, this I think is is helpful for us to think about, um, what's like average range of motion of hip rotation for, for people?
1: Yeah, so I we originally looked at this or I had resources from this from an old blog post that we did uh, looking at active and passive range of motion. Oh, yes. So we can link yeah, that, that, we that. Yeah, that we wrote, yeah. That was a it. real doozy. That's uh, a great article. Uh, but we were interested in what these average values were, not just for the hip, but for all of our joints and joint actions. But when I, I pulled back up the a textbook with normative values for mm-hmm. these ranges of motion and the what, what's in there is 45 degrees of internal rotation and 45 degrees of external rotation
0: it's and like in average. my
1: experience yeah whatever average means or whatever normal right. means or whatever. there's so much so, variability yeah so that that those numbers came from the american Academy of orthopedic surgeons, but then there was another from the American medical association that said normal was more than 20 degrees of internal rotation and more than 30 degrees of external rotation. And in my, yeah. In my experience looking at, I I worked at a gym that trained a lot of youth athletes, especially hockey players, those Mm -hmm. numbers jibe more with the numbers that I've seen, at least the way that we were measuring it. So 45 sounds like a lot to me. Yeah. And and especially for internal rotation, but I'm I'm open minded. (laughs) (laughs) I'm open minded to that being a possibility.
0: Right. Same here. Like my personal experience with yoga students and just the yoga population is in, I feel like on average, it seems like people maybe have less internal than external. I know that's not always the case. And I've actually seen people who, some people have a lot of internal. Um, Yeah but i i mean the textbooks say what they say which is more more that people just have kind of the same on both sides
1: yeah but it's so super variable it is like the the that textbook gave a a table with numbers from different studies and they were all over the place so anyway it can be very variable
0: i feel like travis um i have this impression at least and tell me if you think I'm wrong, but that just in general across all the joints in the human body, um, it can be variable, not only between individuals, but even in the same individual between two sides. So sometimes sure. when we look at these like quote average or normal ranges, um, I don't think people just need to need to inherently think that they're abnormal or that there's something wrong if they're not. Yeah. That.
1: Well, if you just look at how big, the, the how variable the numbers are, or the recommendations are, across resources, then you shouldn't be worried if you don't have 45 degrees of internal and <laughs> external rotation. You might exactly. want to be worried, not worried is strong. You might want to look into it if you <laughs> have like zero degrees of, let's say, internal rotation.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, well, clearly but- you should
1: have some. Right, uh, right. Maybe it's 20, maybe it's 45, who knows. So if, if you have none, then that could be be an indication that something's not moving as much as it should in a direction that you might want it to for your day-to-day or for your yoga poses or for whatever mm-hmm. your activities are.
0: Yeah, yeah. Can we um that makes me think about something we wanted to make sure to talk about, which was hip antiversion and retroversion. Can we talk about that? Which, yes.
1: What are those things?
0: <laughs> I uh, I have to say, I find them confusing. I have taught Me them too. before and every time I, I find it confusing when I have to like review it to teach it. But these it, hip and it's important for today because it, it relates directly to hip rotation. And maybe some mm-hmm. of our listeners have heard of these terms. But basically, uh, it has to do with this angle of the head of your femur. To the neck of your femur and like the way that it angles relative to the hip socket the acetabulum so uh my understanding is that uh some people in some people that ain't that angle has the uh, neck of the femur angle more back like further posterior than, mm-hmm. than is like normal quote normal and when that happens that ends up resulting in the toes uh turning inward mm-hmm so um, when the when the <laughs> neck of the femur angles back more than usual, the toes will end up kind of rotating inward. And that is called hip antiversion. And what that means is that for someone who has that hip orientation, it just means that structurally uh, when their hip is in neutral, when their hip is literally in neutral rotation, their toes mm-hmm. will turn in a little or maybe a lot. I don't know. It's probably different for everybody. But right. um, you can't like look at that person's feet and then know by their feet whether they're in neutral hips. Like you wouldn't want to tell them, I want you to straighten your foot. You're turning and turn out because I want your hip to be neutral because their hip was probably neutral with the toe yeah. in, right? And if
1: you, yeah. So if you do toe them out, you, you look at them and you're like, why are your toes pointed in? You should have your toes pointed straight forward for <laughs> tadasana or whatever squats or whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Quote Velasana. posture. Yeah, quote posture. Then you're actually taking them out of their. They're so neutral. people are so... So, yeah, people are so fixated on neutral, but then they're saying, okay, well, neutral is toes forward, but neutral is not toes forward for everybody.
0: That's right. And so, it,
1: you think that you're not that neutral, not that we always have to be quote unquote neutral. Right. But, we, yeah. It's funny because people probably think, oh, we're, I want to put you in neutral. That must, that always means toes forward, and it doesn't.
0: No, because like there can be rotations all the way down the leg, like through the thigh bone and even in the shin and, but definitely up at this hip socket, uh, neck of the femur orientation. So, so that was antroversion and then Mm -hmm. hip retroversion is just basically the opposite. So that's where the neck of the femur angles forward more than normal. And in that orientation, the toes end up turning out, the toes turn out. So for someone with retroverted hip joints, then um, they're neutral would be like their neutral hips would have their toes pointing out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which is why you can't really look at someone who's quote duck footed, like in their standing posture and say like, that's bad. You know, cause I hear this a lot, you know, I've took a, a whole wide training that taught us that everybody needs to have their feet forward. Like that's neutral and optimal. Otherwise you're creating bad wear and tear on all of our joints. But like that's people crazy. who have, yeah, but that's what we were taught. And that's what I tried to make. Poor Craig do back then. Poor anyway, Craig. Yes. I've talked about that on the podcast. Poor Craig's
1: ABCs.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Um, I tried to make him turn his feet forward because they naturally turn out because I think yeah. I think he has hip retrovert hip retroversion. But anyway, yeah, so that's normal for that person when they're in neutral hips to have their feet turned out. Mm-hmm. That's retroversion. And um one thing that's kind of interesting to know, and we are no um experts to to tell you whether you have retroversion or introversion or not. But um, I have read that a good indication, like if you're wondering about your own body, is that if you find in your body that you have a big discrepancy between your external and your internal rotation, like you have a lot more of one than the other. And if um, in the direction that's less range of motion, if you feel like there's kind of a clear and bony feel when you try to go there, that may be an indication that you have introverted or retroverted. Does that make sense? What I said? Mm-hmm. Hips. Like um, like I think for, I said, I think Craig, my husband has retroverted hips. I think I do also. Like I'm someone who I've always been able to do like lotus pose, which that involves a lot of hip. Ex- like I've always been able to do all the external yoga poses just naturally, like maybe even before I did yoga. Right.
1: Um,
0: so I have a lot of external rotation, but not as much internal. And if I go into internal, I do kind of feel like it just kind of stops there, you know? Yeah. So I I kind of think I have, and I think you know maybe some of our listeners can relate to that. Um,
1: And you're thriving.
0: And I'm thriving despite
1: despite this abnormality.
0: Exactly, exactly. It's just maybe not. I mean, maybe maybe you could call it abnormal, or maybe it's just variance. You know, it's just like that's actually
1: probably a much better term
0: <laughs> right we're just doing the, the human body we've got like a general structure that we all kind of follow like you know you recognize a human body but within that there's so much variability yeah. That well, actually
1: yeah you you included in our notes here that slight antiversion is normal
0: that's so, right that's what i've read yeah yes a little bit of antiversion is so yeah, normal. It,
1: It's not even, and that's kind of like anterior pelvic tilt, right? Like, oh, we demonized this thing. And it's like, well, actually a little bit of anterior pelvic tilt is average. It's average. Like in
0: research that's looked at that, average people who have no pain, right? They're just asymptomatic, just average people. They're not complaining of anything if you measure their pelvis they tend to be in more of an anterior pelvic tilt, not quote neutral. I mean, that's a whole other conversation about neutral, right? Like
1: Maybe we've had before. We probably,
0: yeah, I'm sure we have. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyway, uh, maybe just along this line, Travis, because this is kind of making me think of this research study we did want to mention about Mm -hmm. hip rotation and its correlation with groin um, pain.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I'm talking about. We thought maybe we want to just kind of talk about this at first to set maybe a good stage for we are, and then we're going to shift our attention and get more into the yoga poses. Mm-hmm. um But so, yeah, there's this research study that we both looked at and we wanted to just talk about briefly um on the podcast. What was that? What was it about?
1: So they, well, it was a, I think it was a systematic review, right? They That's right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Systematic review.
1: Pulled in a bunch of studies, maybe like 11 total, uh, comparing people who presently have groin injury or pain versus people who don't or, or looking at people over time. So all of the people were healthy at first, and then they looked to see whether they would develop groin injury or pain. And this was all in athletes and mostly in male athletes. So whether that applies to yogis or females, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but that's just what the, what is available to look at from a research standpoint on this question. So they were interested in assessing the relationship between hip range of motion and develop, presence or development of groin pain or injury. And they looked at it a lot of different ways. Uh, they, But in particular, they were most interested in looking at internal rotation, external rotation, and total range of motion, which is something that we haven't mentioned yet, but total range of motion would be internal rotation plus external rotation. So if you had 20 degrees of internal rotation and 30 degrees of external rotation together, you would have 50 degrees of total range of motion. But they maybe were surprised to find that there was evidence showing that internal rotation by itself and external rotation by itself were not good indicators of whether people would have pain.
0: Like lack of range of motion in internal. Yeah, yeah,
1: right. But the only really thing that they found across all of these studies was that total range of motion did seem to play a role in the presence or development of groin pain and injury or injury. Mm -hmm. So what that tells us maybe is that we shouldn't even be worrying about specifically internal rotation, limited internal rotation or limited external rotation maybe the total range of motion is the more important thing, which resonates or it jibes with what we just talked about. Well, maybe your hips are antiverted or retroverted. Maybe that would lend itself to you having more internal rotation or more external rotation just based on the structure of your joints. Mm -hmm. Um, They also further went on to say that, hey, it's actually really hard to objectively measure these ranges of motion like Mm -hmm. to do it well you have to stabilize the pelvis maybe and there are a bunch of different positions that you can measure it in you also maybe they like they recommended future studies should try to uh standardize the force that they were using to move them into these positions because it can be tricky to standardize across studies or even across people measuring within one study like How far do I push or how hard do I push to say that that's the end of the range of motion for the person?
0: Because that could come. Yeah. It was very, if you varied that, it might give you different results.
1: Yeah. So what, what they really said, the bottom line was like, you need a pretty big difference to say, like between before and after an intervention, you know, before and after eight weeks of yoga or between people to say that this is really different and not just Mm -hmm. error in the way that you're measuring it.
0: Right. Because otherwise, it's just really easy for there to be measurement error.
1: Yeah. So you don't want to be too confident because of how hard this thing is to measure, which then lends itself to well, what is the role of the yoga teacher in Mm
0: -hmm. diagnosing
1: or identifying someone with limited hip internal rotation or external rotation, which by themselves might not be super relevant? Mm -hmm. Let alone like, so then if it's like, well, it's total range of motion. Well, yoga teachers aren't busted. First of all, it's hard for clinicians, physical therapists to measure this thing.
0: Wait, and they and use an instrument, they use, right? They use, they, a they
1: use a goniometer or an inclinometer to measure this.
0: They don't just eyeball it with their eyes.
1: Uh, yeah, you have to measure each one objectively to the best of your ability and then add them up. That's not yoga teachers don't have goniometers. Mm-hmm. yoga teachers aren't busting out the inclinometers on their phones and stabilizing their students' pelvises and do, doing this very systematically. They, they, they're they not, and they shouldn't be. But they, what you've told me is, well, they, they sometimes are saying, Hey, you, you have a uh, limited internal rotation. Yes. And it's like, Whoa, first of all, that might not matter that much. Second of all, you can't see that from your eyes that well, third of all, that might not matter. Fourth of all, that's not your scope.
0: Uh, yes Travis and you know it reminds me because we just mentioned a little bit ago about the pelvis and anterior pelvic tilt it reminds me of that a little bit because Mm -hmm. in the yoga world there's a lot of like a lot of it's just common in certain styles of yoga where teachers teach it's very important that you have a neutral pelvis and then that you know they'll teach all their students to like come anterior tilt is bad and we all need to come into neutral blah 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 but it's also just like first of all is that within your scope second of all how well can you actually measure that like in the context of a a yoga class and then third of all is it even like bad to be an anterior pelvic tilt but it so it seems similar to this hip rotation conversation because totally i
1: see a lot of parallels
0: me too i think the pelvic anterior tilt um fear mongering is bigger to me like that i I see that like all over social media hip rotation less so um but i do see it i do see it in the yoga world um yeah just like if you if you don't have this much Internal so I I tend to see a lot of the focus being on internal more than external. I don't know. That's
1: yeah.
0: Um, but like just you need to improve your internal rotation. You need to increase it. And here are these drills, these like mobility drills for you to do. Um, and that's gonna, you know, fix everything or change your hip pain or you know, things like that. That's well that's something I tend to see. Yeah. So I think I, I yeah. see that too. You see that too. you see that kind of in like the personal training fitness realm.
1: hmm Yeah, same same idea
0: that's right but yeah i think the whole point is just like um yeah we maybe as yoga teachers don't need to worry so much or point out or pull out like anyone's individual joint range of motion in one direction or the other of external or internal and predict that because they have a lack a perceived lack which that's even really tough to measure and it seems like that just may not be so supported by the research and is potentially out of scope anyway but sure training internal and external rotation um particularly like to help someone get into a yoga pose or something like that which is a little different and and also more in line with what we're what we're going to talk about today but Mm -hmm. travis something else we want to talk about before we dive into those yoga poses was the question of um alignment in a pose versus the action that's actually happening in the pose
1: this is a good one
0: and we thought this was really important to pull out um because it'll help set the stage for then as we're thinking about these yoga poses like what what are we actually like trying to define and get clearer on Mm -hmm. so what we wanted to talk about was that like there basically there's um there's the alignment of your body in any yoga pose let's just say yoga pose because that's kind of our context today but of Mm -hmm. course it could be like a strength training or just whatever um but there's the alignment of your body but just because your body is in a particular alignment doesn't necessarily mean that you're working the muscles that would like put you in that alignment if that makes sense so Mm -hmm. a good example is um eagle pose garudasana which is a standing single leg balance where we wrap Um, one leg over and around the other, we like intertwine our legs. So that's Mm -hmm. Eagle or Garudasana. And in that position, um, we are in a position of hip adduction, adduction, as you mentioned earlier, adduction is like kind of taking the thigh across midline. Mm -hmm. So we're in a position of adduction, but that doesn't mean that we're actively working the hip adductors. It doesn't mean that we're active because really your hip, your legs are just kind of interlocked and they're just hanging out there, you know, Um, you're not active. So, so just because you're in hip adduction doesn't mean you're working the hip adductors or that that pose at all trains the adductors or makes you stronger in the adductors. But if you were an eagle and you decided to really, in, like with a lot of attention, squeeze your legs together, which that's not mm-hmm. the general cue, but say you cued that or you wanted If you squeezed in, then you would be working the adductors at a short range Mm be working them or if you um try to pull your legs apart or like pull that top leg you know out to the side
1: and you can do that because you usually lock the the leg in with the foot behind the other
0: yeah so if it's locked in place and then you just try to pull it out but it won't go anywhere it would be isometric that would be that would be working your hip a b doctors that's like the lateral hip, Um, but nothing would happen. It would just be isometric, but you work in the abductors in a position of adduction. Yes. So we just kind of wanted to point that out because, yeah, like uh, say you're in warrior two, Virabhadrasana two, super classic yoga pose. We all know that one. Um, It's common, I think, to hear language around that warrior two like strengthens the external rotators because the front leg is in external rotation. And, you know, to a certain extent, they may be working a bit, like, especially if you're trying to pull the knee, you know, maybe from caving inward or whatever, they might be Mm -hmm. working a bit, but it's certainly not the same thing in warrior two, as if you were to say, wrap a resistance band around the knee and like anchor Mm -hmm. it. Let's say it's like right leg forward warrior two, you wrap the resistance band around the knee and then anchor it off to the left so that the band's trying to pull the knee in. And then you're pressing out into the band to hold warrior two. That yeah. would actually be targeting the hip external rotators, totally. Um, right? Right. So there you would be doing it, but without the band, without this added resistance added on, it's probably not, not that much. You're just kind of in external rotation, but you're not really strengthening external rotation.
1: Does yeah. Cause there's, yeah, there's no resistance. There's mm-hmm. minimal resistance against external rotation besides just like your knee wanting to cave in.
0: That's right. And so maybe you're pulling it out a little bit, mm-hmm. maybe. And only maybe, like, that's not everybody anyway. Or mm-hmm. in Warrior Two, you could also stay in Warrior Two, but you could put your hand inside your front knee or, say, a block. Like, put your hand on a block and put the block inside the knee. And then push your knee into the block or into your hand without it going anywhere. Then you'd actually be working the other side of the joint. You'd be working um, the inside of the hip to push in. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's another way you could target the hip and Warrior too, which we rarely see, but you could do it.
1: Yeah. So you'd kind of tip your torso forward towards that knee and then put the hand yeah. on the yeah, inner yeah. Or, or inside or outside with or without a block.
0: Yeah. And just kind of resist it there as you creating your in. own. Yeah.
1: And again, that's still isometric.
0: That's right. It's not dynamic. And it's probably not could, like a ton. Could
1: be dynamic. Well, that'd be really hard to do. <laughs> with yes. the band, it could be dynamic. If
0: you added the band. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You have a video. Maybe do of that doing that me. with the band. Yeah. Yes. Maybe it's on um, although it's
0: into, I think it's into external rotation. Yeah. It's the, it's the original one I, I described where right. the band is trying to pull the knee in and I'm pushing out into the band. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's dynamic, like I push out and let the band pull me in and then push out. Good way to actually target the hip.
1: Which might have been the the topic of that post might have been training the external rotators or it might have been like the idea that your knee doesn't always have to be in neutral alignment that's a
0: great memory i've done posts on both of those but in that particular one that i'm remembering that was a post on like how to how to target the external rotators in a yoga context like how you could Mm -hmm. do that and that was oh cool an example like if you did the band thing and then you pushed out multiple you know repeatedly So thanks for remembering that. Yeah. It's on Instagram. Um, if I can find it, I will link it in the show notes, <laughs> yeah. like from a while ago. Uh, but Travis, does that make sense? And does it like that de- delineation between the joint position you're in and then what's actually working in the position?
1: Yeah. It's really easy. I think to see something, see the alignment, see the, where the joints are like, Oh, I'm in adduction, so I must be training adduction. Yes. But you're probably not doing anything at all. You're just in the <laughs> in the position or you could be doing squeezing in or out and you just don't know from looking at it. But it's it's a very easy mistake to easy simplification to make. Well, oh, I must be working the adductors if I'm in adduction.
0: That's right. That's right. So we don't want to confuse Um, What's actually doing the work or like you call that the action. We don't want to confuse that with like the position or the alignment. That's kind of two different contexts. Yeah. And while both of them matter, I think maybe a little more of the thrust of what we're trying to do today in clearing up some of these yoga poses and the hip rotation that's actually happening is probably more about position or alignment. We're trying to kind of clarify like which alignment, like are you in external rotation or are you in internal rotation in these various yoga asanas but that won't necessarily mean that you're there for working external rotators or working internal rotators right right because that's like a different question um i'm sure that will also come up as we talk but just to clarify that yeah
1: yeah it's a nice a paradigm to think about like whenever you're looking at a, a pose or an exercise like well, what position am i in and mm-hmm. what am i doing there what's the alignment what's the action and then that could help you you know, if you're, if you're laying out a yoga class or a strength training program, Mm -hmm. am I, like, I always, my first line of thinking is, am I working all of the actions? Not all of them, but like a wide variety of actions, let's say for the hip over the course of a a strength training program. But then uh, am I also working those actions in different alignments? Because you might Mm want to be able to produce that action in this alignment or that alignment. So That's That's kind of like, you know, you can do the same exercise or the same pose with a slight twist. um, And then it just, it lets you, okay, make sure that you can produce that action in a variety of positions or
0: alignments. 100%. That's a really good way to think about it. So kind of having both of those ways of thinking about movement in your mind, as you're thinking about putting together a yoga class or strength training session or um, anything like that. Super helpful. Thanks for thanks for laying that out. Thank you. So what do you think about, about starting to talk about some yoga poses that in yes. our experience, we find that people tend to find confusing as far as figuring out what hip rotation is happening. Just a quick moment to interject and to thank you for listening to this episode of the Yoga Meets Movement Science Podcast. As you can probably tell from this conversation, Travis and I value taking an evidence-based approach to the body and movement. We channel our understanding of movement science into our one-of-a-kind Strength for Yoga remote group training offering, which is a monthly strength program we created to make strength training accessible and relevant for yogis. Our Strength for Yoga program also comes with unlimited access to my full yoga class library Use code PODCAST30 for 30% off your first month in our program or your first month in any other membership on my website. You can learn more and sign up at JennyRollings.com and the link is in the show notes. Also remember that other ways you can support us are by signing up for my email newsletter at JennyRollings.com slash newsletter and by subscribing to this podcast and leaving us a rating or a review. And now back to our episode. So what do you think about, about starting to talk about some yoga poses that in yes. our experience we find that people tend to find confusing as far as figuring out what hip rotation is happening?
1: Please. It's funny because you've put some of these up in your stories before. I think yeah. the first one. And you have like, what is you know, oh, yes. is this in this alignment or that alignment? And it's always a mix. That's and I'm right. I'm also like, I think I've been wrong myself <laughs> and I, I definitely takes me a, a minute. Like, oh, I don't want to be wrong. Jenny will see my wrong answer. <laughs>
0: um, like if you're voting in a story poll.
1: Yes. Um, but it's understandable. Oh, I, it's, it's
0: confusing. Yeah.
1: And I relate. Yeah. I've been wrong before.
0: Yes, totally. And so have I. Um, and I know that people are in general. And so we just want to, we just want to help clarify so that we can learn to see our movement eyes can help us see our yoga poses better. Um, and that could just help us be, you know, more intentional about which poses uh, poses we choose to practice and why and, and for what goals. So how about we start off with warrior one? or Virabhadrasana one super classic foundational yoga pose. Mm-hmm. And um, we we you know, our listeners should know Warrior one if they've done yoga, but but it's basically like a lunge type position where you have one leg forward, one leg back, the mm-hmm. front knee is bent to about 90 degrees. And then um, the back leg is back behind you, you have anchored that back heel and then those toes angle inward, They angle inward. <laughs> I'm saying that I'm laugh, laughing a little because we're going to talk we've, about
1: we've well we, that that particular descriptor we've argued about like are the toes inward or are they outward and yes. it depends are they what what are you basically like, like relative to what
0: relative they're to what? inward
1: relative to the side of the mat right like they um,
0: they're inward relative I think to the back edge of the mat yeah to the back edge of the mat
1: yeah but they're outward relative to the um to like if you were in high lunge
0: yeah that's right if you were so <laughs> yeah. high lunge is where you're on just you're on the ball of your back foot and the heel is up and it's and... the same base it's super similar to warrior one but what were you gonna yeah.
1: say but like both toes both or toes both legs or feet are straight ahead in high lunge
0: yeah that's right
1: and then in warrior one you've towed the back leg out but it's <laughs> Compared still toed to in lunge. yeah that, and that is always my reference, but it's still towed in compared to or relative to the back of the mat.
0: Yeah. And I think just this right here are trying to like elucidate this just shows why I think this pose is so confusing for people mm. if they try to figure out like what the rotation is, because um, oftentimes, Travis, in a yoga context, we do reference like where the feet point based on like the the lines of the edges of the mat. And like, say warrior two, which we're going to talk about probably next in warrior two, like you step out wide and then you like look at the back edge of the mat and most teachers will teach it that you turn the toes in a bit, like relative Mm -hmm. to the back edge. Some actually teach that the outer edge is parallel to the back edge. But if you actually think about warrior one, picture it more that you're going to step back into it from Tadasana, standing at the top of your mat. And in Mm -hmm. that case, you would actually turn the toes out a little bit and then you would step it back right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I think that helps us to cl- get a little clear on what's actually happening in that back hip because something we didn't say from the start is that in my experience, a lot of people think that in warrior one, the back hip is an in internal rotation. Mm-hmm. And that's what the poll in my story showed as well. Like yeah. lots of people think it's an internal rotation is because to us, to yogis, our frame of reference, we see that that is the toes angle in and in must be internal rotation. And I think that's why you were confused when you and I first talked about this cuz I think you you're thinking about it more from I don't know just pure movement or your fitness background like you just think like oh it's totally turned out like cuz you could see that really clearly I think maybe you don't have that like yoga teaching background yeah. where we're always like referencing this uh, this part of the mat or whatever. Mm-hmm. So to you it seems really obvious right that the back hip is in external rotation? Right. In warrior 1?
1: Yeah. But I also understand like when you're telling people to toe turn those toes in (laughs) it's
0: confusing
1: then that must be well when toes are in that's internal rotation so that's right
0: but in this case it's not so yeah so just to be that was the main point we wanted to clarify about warrior one is that the back hip is an external rotation but another point to bring up is it's not in end range external rotation I mean, mm-hmm. not for most people, unless someone has like only a very little bit of external rotation. For most people, it's just a little bit of external rotation. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing we actually wanted to kind of delineate in this conversation as a whole, is that when we're talking about joint positions, I find that in the yoga world, sometimes we um, we kind of assume or associate joint positions, meaning end range position. Because in yoga, we do a lot right. of end range. stuff. You know, we do so much like in stretches and in end range. Um, but so, but I think it's important to realize like in warrior one, yeah, the back hip is in external rotation, but we're not saying it's in full external rotation. Like it's not a, it wouldn't be a mobilizer for external rotation. Cause you're not at end range. You're just a little bit in external rotation. Yeah. So you can be in a position, you know, it could be in a joint position, but not necessarily at its end range. Yeah. And like um plank pose is kind of a good example if you're thinking this is just for a similar concept, if you're thinking shoulder flexion. Right. Shoulder flexion is when the arms go forward and up overhead. So as an example, in plank pose, you're in shoulder flexion, right? You're in shoulder right. Your flexion. Shoulder
1: is flexed compared to anatomical neutral.
0: That's right. Ninety to de-
1: ninety degrees or so.
0: That's right. Yeah, about yeah, 90ish. So in plank pose you're you're in 90 degrees of shoulder flexion, but really our arms can go, you know, much higher than that. So mm-hmm. that's not like end range shoulder flexion. End range shoulder flexion would be more like down dog or handstand or something like that. I think it's easier to see with something like the shoulder. I think we're like, "Oh yeah, that joint position isn't always end range."
1: Yeah, it it's pretty you can eyeball that you're in 90 degrees or 160 degrees of flexion versus it's like
0: mm-hmm. I don't
1: know how many degrees I'm looking out of external rotation.
0: Right. Exactly. yeah, that's right. So it's hard to see. Yeah. So that's why I think sometimes we get a little confused with the hip hip rotation too. Um but does that I think that makes sense about Warrior One, right?
1: Makes sense to me.
0: <laughs> and uh <laughs> I think it, it's also helpful to know because like what if um I don't know, what if you're doing Warrior One with an intention of say stretching the hip flexors on the back leg
1: mm-hmm.
0: right because the leg is reaching back behind you so you're stretching the tissues that cross the front of the hip yep. so, so you have warrior one and you have high lunge which we described they're they're super similar except for like that back foot position and therefore the hip position mm-hmm. i would suggest tell me if you think this is right travis but in high lunge where you don't have that foot turned out You're stretching the hip flexors, but more just kind of straight on, like just, just like a straight on hip flexor stretch. Whereas in warrior one, where you've turned the thigh out a bit, you're stretching the hip flexors, but it's more inner and maybe even, you know, it's like more medial hip flexors, maybe some adductors in their inner thigh because of the rotation. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I (laughs) see that. Yeah. So that's, it's kind of a, that's kind of a very, it's like a detailed difference, but what if that mattered to you? You know, like what if how you're stretching your hip flexors was, is important.
1: Well, yeah, I think it pays, pays. I think it's (laughs) worthwhile to stretch your hip flexors in multiple ways.
0: Right, multiple Which is why it's nice
1: to have these two options, Mm warrior one and high lunge, and not just do one or just do the other because you can get a slightly different feel and effect.
0: That's right. I actually, um, I'm just remembering that I just recently... Month or so ago, made a YouTube video about Warrior One versus High Lunge. what's the difference, and we can oh, yeah. link that in the sh- in the show notes because it talks specifically about the rotation, but also a few other things you might think about. Because they are so similar, you might think like, "Well, why does it matter if I do one versus the other?" But well,
1: just full transparency, I didn't know they were two different poses until you taught me.
0: That's right, Travis.
1: And in my defense, they are only one pose for me because, <laughs> because of you. I, I on my prosthetic side, I i can't get you could the only foot do it down one really right. yeah that's um, right so i was just like oh warrior one in high lunge <laughs> why, to you, why, do, we, why the, do we have different names for these they're the same
0: exactly and I your body on
1: yeah on my one side they're not that they're i with my um real leg in the back i can make them mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. but yeah i just i didn't know i i don't know what i was thinking just ne- never dawned – the difference was so small that I it never dawned on me like, oh, uh, these are not the same. That's right. <laughs> these are not one thing. But now I know.
0: There are other people out there I know in addition to who also think they're the same thing.
1: Well, um, they're – Or thought. I guess we're you all in a good
0: But yeah. yeah, and it so makes sense that especially in your body, there's an extra reason why – why that would be the case for you. But thanks for saying that. So just to point out why a YouTube video that I might make that's explaining the differences and like why you might care matters because a lot of people don't quite understand. Yeah, see those differences. What's next on our list of yoga poses?
1: We're gonna talk about warrior two.
0: Yes, we are. (laughs) And we actually talked a little bit about Warrior Two already with regard to that front leg yeah um so we kind of talked about that like the position Mm -hmm. of the front leg and how Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. an external rotation but it's not really strengthening the external rotators
1: Mm -hmm. and we talked about how you get it there from tadasana
0: we talked about that too
1: chain rotation
0: that's right i think now we want
1: to talk about the
0: back leg right that's exactly right now we want to talk about the back leg in warrior two had you ever thought given much thought to the back leg in warrior two
1: not until because you did a poll on this one too, right?
0: I think I did, and I this made a one, video about this. this actually, do I have a YouTube up. video about this? But from longer ago,
1: this one might have been the one I got wrong. Really, I'm not proud, but it's yeah. hard. It's really hard. You I hear actually think all manner of answers as to whether manner. it's internally rotated or
0: externally rotated or neither or neutral. I guess neutral would be. Yeah. Like neither. Yeah. Yeah, You totally hear across the board, all three. And I'm going to venture to guess, or in my experience, I think this is even more confusing than the warrior one that we just talked about. We'll (laughs) see, you can see if you, if you agree with me, Travis, Um, but here's, here's the deal. So people, yeah, it's very confusing. What position the back hip is in, but first and foremost, before we even get into rotation, we should point out that the main, I think the main big hip action in warrior two in the back leg is actually abduction, abduction. Mm-hmm. And I find that like, when I ask people, I have a quiz on one of my courses that's on the hip. And um, I have this as a quiz question about the back hip and warrior two, cause I know it's so tricky. And most people don't mention hip abduction. When I say like, what's the hip position of the back hip and warrior two, they kind of just mm-hmm. tend to go to the rotation. But really the biggest hip position that I think is like you stepped out really wide and you're in AB. Yeah. That's kind of the main hip thing It's like going getting on.
1: towards a split. Not yeah, like, like a side fully, split. But... Mm-hmm.
0: Totally. And you're stretching like the inner thighs, the adductors.
1: That's what I feel.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think most, yeah. If, if you have super flexible adductors, maybe you wouldn't feel that. But yeah, they're in a lengthened position in warrior Two. So anyway, first and foremost, back hip in warrior two is abduction. And I find a lot of people overlook that because, because again, I think we go to rotation. I don't know why it's, we tend to go to that first, but, um, and it's not, it's not really inflection or extension. I'm I'm bringing that in. I don't, don't know why, but just to add that on, it's pretty neutral yeah. with regard to flexion yeah. and extension, but here's the kicker. It's so confusing with rotation. And I'm going to try to explain. You could tell me if this makes sense, Travis, mm-hmm. um, the deal is in warrior two you've got that front leg in full external rotation Mm -hmm. we generally and you and i think would suggest it's not a big deal if the knee the front knee caves in but almost always in every yoga class we're cued to have the front knee tracking over the second toe Mm -hmm. or whatever so that it's in line with the toes it's not caving in Mm -hmm. um but if you really had that front hip in full external rotation and you were to fully square your torso and your pelvis to the side of your mat. Mm-hmm. that would require about, um, I think it would require about 90 degrees of external rotation in the front hip <laughs> to actually achieve that. Right. Right. Wouldn't it? Cause right. it's full 90. Much,
1: right. And how much should we say most
0: people have? We said most people have, according to research about 45 degrees of external right. rotation. Right. So what that says to me is nobody's, in 90 degrees of external rotation in warrior two yet they still have the knee pointing forward so the way that they get the knee forward it's not from 90 degrees of hip external rotation they do come into their full hip external rotation and then to make the rest of the pose work their pelvis rotates forward a little bit right. it has to turn right does that make sense
1: yeah the pelvis is not fully side facing that's is right that what it's you're saying not... yeah. it's like a probably a quarter hmm it's like on the di- it's on inline it's pointing to the diagonal on the mat like the that's
0: right that corner a hundred percent yet you hardly ever hear at least i hardly ever hear yoga teachers cue that the cue is square your pelvis to the side but it's just like that's not really what's happening because the pelvis isn't really going to square to the side
1: yeah and that's okay like not that it has to be a goal to get it fully oriented to the side but it's if you're moving towards that, then you'll end up where it's supposed to be.
0: But if you, in general, just cue people to like, you know, their torsos facing to the side and then their front leg is yeah. step forward. Um, what's going to happen, whether we realize it or not, is that the pelvis a little bit turns forward. Not as much mm-hmm. as like warrior one or it's not forward facing, but it's a little right. bit. It's, so it's now. not
1: fully side facing like you might think.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Even so, though your
1: torso is.
0: That's your right. Your pelvis is not. That's right. Your pelvis turns a little bit forward, but still your chest, generally, if you're doing, you know, the book, the textbook warrior two, your chest, Mm -hmm. your torso faces, does face the side. Mm -hmm. So um, now that we know that the pelvis turns in a little bit, what is that? That should help us think about that back, the hip joint and relative to the back foot, right?
1: Right. So the back foot is truly side facing.
0: Um, It depends on, on how people cue it. Okay. Some teachers cue that that back foot, the outer edge is parallel with the back edge of the mat so then it would be truly side facing. My experience is more teachers tend to cue that the back foot, the back toes turn in a bit. Okay. More more often the case.
1: Um Okay. But still generally in that direction.
0: Yeah, yes, so if still your pelvis generally side facing.
1: If Your pelvis is not actually truly side facing and a little bit towards the front and your back leg is more out than it mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. in. Then what is the what, what alignment is, what is, is it, the back it? What is it? What is you it? You
0: know? Do you want me to It's start?
1: no. It's it's external rotation.
0: That's right. I would say yeah. external rotation or neutral, actually, because it kind of depends. If you did angle the toes forward and if they were at the, in the same angle as your pelvis was turned, yeah, then it would probably be neutral. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I think for a great many people, it's actually an external because the toes are out relative to where the pelvis is turning but i i find that hardly anybody says that in warrior two like if you ask like what's the back hip again they tend to say internal because the toes are in which is the same thing that we find in warrior one
1: yeah just it's it's easy mistake to make right well i see the toes totally are in, therefore toes in internal rotation but
0: 100 yeah. percent, exactly so isn't that i think that's hopefully is clarifying i hope it wasn't too confusing and just like with warrior 1 it's not end range external rotation in the back hip but it just is right. some external rotation so just um just so we're clear on that it is end range external rotation in the front hip though um hey how about talking about gomukhasana yes gomukhasana yes. this one i know to be very confusing i um this i started one confuses me yeah totally i'm sure it confused me in the past too and I started a um a cool new Facebook group that anybody can join called our podcast is Yoga Meets Movement Science. And this Facebook group is called Yoga and Movement Science. So that's um free and it's just a private group, but um it's really cool for yoga geeks who wanna talk about stuff like this. Anyone is welcome to join. And I posted earlier this week, because I knew we were gonna record this episode. I posted about hip rotation in yoga and you know what questions did people have. Um, which poses were they confused about? And this one was mentioned multiple mm. times. Gomukhasana. So Gomukhasana is a seated position, often called quote a hip opener, where you've got one leg stacked on top of the other, and your knees are ideally stacked, and then your feet are like kind of out by the sides of your thighs. So what would you what would you predict would be the confusion about hip rotation in this pose?
1: It looks like your feet are in towards the center of your body
0: yeah Therefore,
1: that must be internal rotation
0: exactly and that's what everybody was saying in the facebook group and that's what i've just seen in general too Yeah, people think goma costana is hip internal rotation
1: yeah anytime you're seated and your foot goes in it seems like that should be internal rotation
0: yeah and I seem it might seem like opposite. that <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, um, go across this external rotation of the hips. And you might you be, maybe, yeah,
1: can you like, can you help? Yeah, explain why why that is,
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. Let me try to help because I feel like this one is tricky. But you've got one leg stepped on top of the other. So that is hip a deduction so you mm-hmm. are in adduction you are
1: yeah, yeah
0: um but your your feet are out to the sides laterally so it's kind of like it's kind of like um pigeon pose in that front leg
1: yeah oh right It's right? like double pigeon
0: exactly it's like double pigeon where that's where you have your pigeon legs stacked but mm-hmm. with but adding adduction and everybody most everybody knows pigeon is external rotation yeah um, and if you think about like, sing- I think of single leg pigeon pose, you know, and there's the sometimes the cue to try to parallel your front shin to the front of the mat. We've talked about this in another episode all about pigeon pose. And whether After you need to do number... that or not. 18. <laughs> it's 18. We'll link it in the show notes all about pigeon. But um, when you, when you, the more forward you bring that shin, like toward parallel to the front edge of the mat in pigeon, can you sort of see that that is moving the hip into more external rotation?
1: Yeah. We've, we talked about this in that episode. Uh, well, sometimes you think, oh, the pose is supposed to be with your shin parallel to the front edge the mat, And then we revealed that that's not, not really <laughs> that's the right. case
0: that's for what right. well, it
1: doesn't, it, the textbooks don't show it like that. That's and right. Not even, yeah. It doesn't need to be that way. It should just be however you're comfortable. Yeah. For many people, that's not having it's having their foot closer to their self i don't know how, yeah how say that. to their
0: pelvis maybe <laughs> the yeah foot pulled in a little more yeah
1: yeah yeah foot, foot pulled in as opposed to parallel
0: that's right and even if they're in pigeon and the foot's pulled in that's going to be less external rotation but it's still external right. rotation right to- yeah well it's not it's, it's not, not internal rotation. yeah 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 so gomakasana if you picture picture this picture pit, single leg pigeon with the foot, not paired with the shin, not parallel, like the foot's pulled back a little, then picture that you take your back knee and you just tuck it all the way forward and slide it underneath your front knee. Maybe Mm -hmm. that helps. And then they just land together like that. And then it's like both of your, just, do you think that was sort of a helpful visual that just like popped into my mind? Yeah. Just to show that it's external rotation. I buy it. (laughs) Yeah. So gomakasana, it's a stretch for the hips in adduction and external rotation. Um, not internal rotation. It's not an internal rotation pose. And as we just said, pigeon and all of the pigeon variations, like pigeon chair, double pigeon, recline pigeon, that's all external rotation for the pigeon leg hip. Konasana, which is like butterfly pose where you're seated and you bring the soles of the feet together and the knees open wide. That's external rotation, right? Tra- I'm kind of just whipping mm-hmm. through some of these now. Um, that's external rotation. Yeah um what about what about the good old 90 90 position mm, what about this that is a good one yes we wanted a... to make sure to include this one today
1: <laughs> yeah you have a a nice instagram video that yes. really visually illustrates what's going on in this one
0: you're so right did you review it before we
1: <laughs> i did i had <laughs> remembered that one because there was a bit of uh it created a bit of a stir.
0: It did it did. And we will link it in the show notes.
1: Yeah. So so in <laughs> ninety that's so funny. In ninety ninety the yeah, front leg is, is similar to pigeon, mm-hmm. but it's very similar. <laughs> but the knees yes. are a ninety-degree angle. It's like pigeon
0: with like a ninety-degree knee kind of in yeah. the front leg. And
1: then yeah. And then your the back leg, instead of having it straight behind you, it's out to the side, yeah. Making a ninety-degree angle between the thighs and as well as the knees so that's where as we learned that's where the 90 90 comes from but because exactly. there's some confusion maybe mm-hmm. maybe we had this confusion at one point but yeah. we no longer do or some <laughs> other people did hence the debate um but the the hips are not well for okay so the hips are not in 90 degrees of rotation in either direction in either direction, because of the way that the pelvis, well, mm-hmm. because you don't have 90 degrees. You That's know, right. Of or less, or probably. Internal. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the pelvis will shift, tilt, shift, mm-hmm. rotate, whatever, to accommodate you in this position, maybe lift off the floor, even. Mm-hmm. And That's so, right. the what, what I think the common misconception is, is that you're in a lot of internal rotation on the back.
0: Leg. yeah that's the misconception right
1: yeah and it you're not well you could be you can be in internal rotation but it really depends how your pelvis torso pelvis is oriented that's right so when you're just sitting facing the front leg the front mm-hmm. thigh you're actually not in much internal rotation
0: i don't think you're and in the, any you're, in the back maybe
1: like. none yeah you are in a position of hip abduction mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but if you so that's if you're facing forward but if you rotated your mm-hmm. self shoulders pelvis towards the back femur so 90 90 degrees away from the front then you actually are getting into internal rotation that's of right. the back leg and or if you try to lift the foot of the back mm-hmm. leg off the mat then that is putting you into internal rotation and if you ever try to do that you'll see that we don't have a lot of internal rotation
0: <laughs> that's um, right
1: you know some some people maybe can lift it 20 30 degrees but i think most people can hardly less. lift
0: it yeah. Can, hard,
1: yeah can basically hardly lift it which is why it's a nice exercise and may, maybe it's something that you've Done in a yoga class, or we've we've included it
0: in our in our remote strength yoga remote group training program before.
1: Yeah, because there are are very few ways to strengthen
0: yourself in in or strengthen your
1: internal rotators. uh so that is a way, and it's it's interesting, fun, challenging because Mm -hmm. you're already you don't have a lot of internal rotation. So as soon as you go into some internal rotation, you're already working at a disadvantageous portion of the. Length-tension relationship of that muscle, where we tend to be weaker in positions when we're closer to our end ranges, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just because you're you're already close to your end range because the range of motion is not big, yeah, like like that. That's a very cramp-inducing position. That's right, for people.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's a good the ninety ninety is a good one to like target internal rotation if you want to, but to just realize that if you're just being in the ninety ninety. And facing forward, which is kind of your classic way you see the ninety ninety. Yes, that's not actually internal rotation in the back hip,
1: which is crazy. Which is
0: abduction, I know, <laughs> and that's why we made a whole post about it just to like clarify, so we could see these shapes a little more clearly.
1: Because we just assume that the front legs in external rotation, the
0: back legs in internal rotation. That's right. That's right. Um, that's right. But we can put it in internal rotation if we turn toward the leg with our torso, and yeah. or if we lift the foot. So just maybe. good to just good to know so that we kind of like in this good anatomy geeky way, learn to see our hips in our poses a little better. Um, half moon pose, Travis, was another one we'd, we wanted to maybe quickly touch on. This one I find people get a little confused on. Like I find that people often think, so we know half moon, standing um, standing balance, where like one foot is down and then you're facing off to the side and then your back leg is floating, like your arms are mm-hmm. wide. Um, I find that it's tricky and it's easy to think that the lifted leg is an external rotation because right. you see the toes pointing off to the side, you know, and you think, oh, toes to the side means external rotation. But in half moon, it's not really, it's not actually the lifted leg that's doing the external rotation. It's the standing leg hip, right? Right.
1: The closed chain external rotation. Closed if you were externally rotating, the top leg or the, the raised leg would be open chain but you're probably not. Probably yeah, neutral, probably not. And it's probably your pelvis rotating on that fixed femur of the standing leg, going into external rotation. That tends then that is then flaring the toes out. That's right.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then just to help our movement, I see this a little better if you were so we we know half moon, and this is very tricky balance wise, but I'll just if if you could go from half moon, and then slowly rotate your hips to face down your hips and torso to face down so you move into warrior three, you know, and then and then maybe once warrior three back to half moon, you went back and forth like that um
1: the the band transition
0: the totally banned transition we talked about in um yoga alignment rules that don't make sense and i don't think i could say which i think 33 i was gonna say i don't think i know which number but actually i think i do i think it's number 33
1: that was a recent one
0: (laughs) yes so we don't need to myth bust that but it is Mm -hmm. it is cautioned again it's it's a yoga rule that you're not supposed to do that but whatever you can totally do that um, so that, that's like, um, hip rotation, that is hip rotation. That's closed chain hip rotation of the standing leg hip. Mm-hmm. And when you're in warrior three you're positionally, you're basically like, um, you're in neutral rotation wise. And then as you mm-hmm. open up to the side, you're externally rotating through that standing hip
1: and maybe doing some work for the external rotators
0: yes actually you actually could be strengthening or doing some work for them yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's right
1: what are you not doing even when you go back (laughs) to from half moon to warrior three into internal rotation there's the uh, there's the action there's the alignment there's the action and then there's the what is the resistance
0: that's right that's right
1: people think, oh, well, I'm going into that, you know, internal rotation, I must be working the internal rotators.
0: That's right. But from if you go from half moon down to warrior three, you're still working the external rotators, but they're just doing an eccentric. They're um, controlling your lower down. And then when you lift up, they're concentrically contracting. So it's only targeting your external rotators. And just to be clear, when you go from half moon, you're in external rotation, as you rotate down, you you internal this is gonna be confusing, but you are internally rotating, but you only go to neutral. You don't actually go into internal rotation.
1: Yeah, you could. It's hard.
0: Yeah, you could you go could. Into a little bit. You could go further.
1: Yeah. But you're so, still not working the internal rotators. That's just gravity putting you there.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And so that's your
1: external rotators eccentrically controlling.
0: hmm So a good delineation and a great point to make that difference between alignment and like action. Like what's actually happening in our poses? One thing we've kind of made clear, even though we haven't said it, is that um, in my experience, we tend to do significantly more positional external rotation in yoga than we mm-hmm. do positional internal rotation,
1: like being aligned into internal rotation yeah,
0: mm-hmm. like actually There's that
1: internal. one pose that maybe we didn't talk about where you're just Virasana. seated.
0: And you sit yes. in between, yes, that's that's a yeah. real, yes. So Virasana is a good example of one of the few in yoga that does actually internally rotate the hips.
1: Mm-hmm. Or just like lying on your back after you've done some work and maybe going knee to knee.
0: Yeah, if, it, yes, exactly. Like if your feet are a little wider. Foot's
1: played out, yeah.
0: Yeah, that would be internal but not, rotation. There's no
1: name for that. That's
0: think. right. It's not, not that I know of, that's not like a classic yoga pose, but we totally do it. Mm-hmm. Or if you were to lay on your belly like lay prone and then bend your knees 90 degrees you know like thigh straight behind you knees 90 and then if you let your your feet go out wide that would be internal rotation of the hips yep you could just like hang out there Mm -hmm. um yes and then just to be clear in case anyone wasn't sure on what virasana is because you mentioned that one travis virasana is a, a quote hip opener where you're sitting in between your heels basically
1: so that's a hip opener into internal rotation
0: yeah that, yeah, exactly. That's why we're mentioning it here is the it, yeah. internal rotation. Well, that, I
1: think that was one other thing we wanted to bring up. Like hip opener classically is pigeon, mm. class, is classically external rotation. Technically, hip opening means stretching the hips, which can be done in any direction. But we do, do seem to have a bias towards opening into external rotation.
0: That's right. But then
1: you just busted that. Gave a counterexample of a hip opener that was in t- internal rotation. Totally.
0: And, you know, as I said that it was a hip opener and I gave the air. Or do
1: you take it back?
0: I take it back. I don't find most people, people call that a hip opener. It. I, I think okay. my, it's a hip opener to be, so I was calling it that. But in general, oh, okay. the stereotype in yoga is that a hip opener is like pigeon.
1: Yeah. And I mean, why, like, just food for thought. Why is why do we only want to open our
0: hips in that direction? Exactly there's internal rotation but there's also all the other 360 degree ways that the hips can move um yeah but but so virasana is one in which you internally rotate as long as you truly rotate from the hips a lot of times people just rotate from the knees and they don't really realize they just like scoot their feet to the side and then sit down and then that's not Is there really... anything
1: you can do about that
0: yeah you can start in a hands and knees position tabletop and then take yeah. your feet wide from there with your knees anchored, that would totally rotate yeah. the thighs. Then sit back.
1: Don't you think though ensure... that you're just gonna take the path of least resistance? Like to, you, like I agree what you said. Well, if you if you do it hands and knees, you can internally rotate and then do it. Yeah. But once you're there, like, won't your body find the easiest way to maintain that? If that tends to be that you have more knee rotation than hip rotation. That's you know what I'm question. saying? Like, you can't really, like, it, it would be difficult to think about and execute the movement from one place versus the other. I think
0: that's a really interesting point. I'd have to experiment with that in my body to see.
1: Yeah let me know i think
0: yeah but basically yep, like do. a lot of a lot of times we start in a kneel you know like sitting on our heels and then just scoot the feet out to the side yeah. to come into your asana then you yeah. would that would really just be knee rotation
1: right i can appreciate what you said well if you set up and you go into the hip rotation first then right. you're you've you're there but, but I yeah i don't know if you could maintain you might that.
0: not stay there yeah i don't know that's that is a good question um anyway uh what do you oh yeah i also had thrown out there that um another way in which you could internally rotate in yoga would be twisting triangle or revolve Mm -hmm. triangle this is an example like coming to the standing twist uh and you're rotating toward the front thigh but it would only be internal rotation if you allow the pelvis to rotate forward more and not hold it back as square uh, square pelvis
1: it's interesting that but in both of these cases of the revolved triangle and the revolved half moon, that's what we Yeah, revolved
0: it. half moon is another, yes.
1: Yeah, so it's always the revolved that's going into internal rotation. It's yeah. not the the, I don't know, the base version. Right. I see what
0: you're yeah, the default is like yeah. that's so true. Is usually either neutral hips or externally rotated, but you specifically revolve to get into internal.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so it's not that we never do internal rotation and in yoga, but I think the balance is much more on the external rotation. Um, and I think that's just interesting and good for us to know, you know if we want to if we want to think about that and how we're targeting our hips and positionally, at least how we're targeting them, mm-hmm. um, Travis, do you think that we covered most of what we wanted to cover today?
1: I do. I do.
0: <laughs> I do, too, actually. Yeah. Um, i think i hope this was clarifying for people to think more you know think in terms of like the difference between alignment and action and to just get a better sense of how the hips move what's up with rotation and how we can like picture this and maybe be a little more intentional about it when we want to be in our yoga poses and or strength training practice or any other movement practice Thank you so much for having this conversation with me and getting geeky. I feel like we got quite Thank you and thank geeky. you
1: again to Eleanor for Yes the the push.
0: Totally to ask the request to do an episode on this. We always appreciate requests. They often give us good new ideas that we just like. I would not have thought to do an episode on hip rotation, but I think our anatomy geeky audience, I think that um they'll appreciate this topic.
1: They'll let us know. Let us know either way.
0: (laughs) Totally. Thanks, Travis. Thanks, Jenny. And that wraps up our look at hip rotation. Remember that you can become a supporter of the Yoga Meets Movement Science podcast for just $3 a month via the link in our show notes. You can also support our work with this podcast by subscribing to our podcast and leaving us a rating or a review. Also, be sure to stay in the loop with all of our content and offerings by signing up for my email newsletter at jennyrellings.com newsletter, and the link is in the show notes. And lastly, remember to use code podcast30 for 30% off your first month in Travis's and my Strength for Yoga remote group training program, or 30% off your first month in any of the other memberships on my website. You could learn more and sign up at JennyRollings.com and the link is in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Yoga Meets Movement Science. We look forward to seeing you in our next episode soon.